those who don't know me watching online, my name is Mark. I'm, if it's your first time, uh, really glad that you're with us. Uh, and uh, we hope that it's not your last time. Uh, and we hope that uh, the reason why we do what we do is to help people take a step in their journey of faith. And so if you're here in the building this morning, watching online, that is our, our hope and our goal, that you would take a, a step in this, in this journey of, uh, of faith. Uh, thanks, musicians, worship team. So I was just thinking, you know, there's that thought of saying, you know, hey, worship, you can't worship, you can't do any of these things. But, you know, it, Scripture tells us, too, that if <laughs> the rocks are going to start crying out, right? And I'm just like, I, I ain't waiting for that. You know, uh, if the, the parking lot's not going to sing louder than, than us. And uh, just, you know, man, he deserves praise. And praise isn't just, you know, singing. It is that, uh, it, it, it's that response to who he is. And so it's not, you know, necessarily standing, clapping, whatever. It, it's that response. It's that heart response. And I pray this morning that, that our hearts are ready for, for his words. We're going to, we'll jump in. You know, we are in part two of a series called Hall of Fame. Uh, last week, we started just talking about this topic of faith, the Faith Hall of Fame. There's lots of halls of fame, you know. I don't know about you, but maybe, you know, maybe you've given up on ever making any hall of fame. You're just like, you know what, that's too, too much time has passed. Like, there's no accomplishment that I'm going to do that's going to make it into the hall of fame. It's just a baby, but definitely cuter than me. I understand why you're all <laughs> focused. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think about, uh, about this Faith Hall of Fame uh, that we see in... in uh, uh, Hebrews 11, and if you think about the word faith, you know, the, the definition that the, the writer gives us is this confident hope. It's like, it's not hope like, man, I hope it's going to happen. It's like, I'm, it's, I know that what I'm hoping for will happen because I know that the God who promised it is the one who keeps his promises. And even if I don't see it yet, I will see it. And uh, the, the, the writer of Hebrews gives us this list of people, the list of players in we talked about a few of them last week who just lived that way. They just like, you know what? I just trust that God is who he says he is, and I trust that he'll do what he says he can do, no matter what else uh, says around me. It doesn't matter. My trust is in, is in him. And they begin to list these people, uh, famous people. And I, I was actually this week able to find some of their pictures so you have a chance to see what they look like. Um, Abel, I don't know how they got this, but there is Abel. Uh, you know, the guy in the back with the sheep. You know, Abel would tell us that God is, is so great. He deserves our very best. And by faith, Abel, by trusting God, is what Abel gave uh, to, uh, as a sacrifice to God. Enoch was the second one. You know, just if Enoch could tell us, he would say, "Listen, they're, they're the God of the universe. He doesn't. He's not way out there somewhere. He doesn't want to be. He wants to walk with you and talk with you." And man, did we experience that when Jesus came to the planet? That the God of the universe wants to walk with us, but it's deeper than that. Because when he left, he says, "I don't want you just to. I don't want to. I didn't come just to walk with you. I came so you could walk with me." That is the walk of faith. That is that relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then third, you know, Noah. You know, Noah would simply say that trusting God, that faith of, man, I trust you, God, no matter what anybody else says, will literally lead to your salvation. And it is so important for us today. You know, I don't know. Do you ever wonder if those people were just better people than us? Do you ever read the Bible and be like, man, those guys are like superheroes. That's why they made it in the Bible. I mean, they, they, they were... They're not regular guys like, like you and me. These people must have been something special. Do you ever have those thoughts? Do you ever wonder if, you know, like, yeah, that was great for them, but there's no way that, like, I could do that now. Like, those are, they're, they're just superhuman people. You know, and maybe for you, you're like, you sometimes wonder, I don't, I don't know if I could really trust God like that. You know, and everything going on around us, can I really trust God when business is getting shut down, can, can I really trust God? When he calls us to do something brand new, can I really trust God? 
whatever it may be, even in your own life, saying, you know, I'm not even sure if I believe there is a God anymore with everything I've gone through. Is there something in us that says, can I really trust him? And I want to talk about that this morning because the author of Hebrews wrote this passage to give us, whoever the reader was, the chance to say, they did it and you can do it too. And he introduces us to the next person on the list. His name's Abraham. Like the others before, he was no stranger to the Jewish people, but he may not be uh, as familiar to, to people like us. For us, a little bit of history, Abraham lived in 2000 BC. So here's a dude that lived 4,000 years ago. That's a long time. He lived in the land of Ur, which we know now to be modern-day Iraq. And he was a pretty important uh, person to the Jewish people. But you might be asking, well, okay, some guy lived 4,000 years ago. Why should I even care about somebody who lived 4,000 years ago? What does it have to do with me? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's what we want to look at this morning. Hebrews 11, verse 8. If you have your Bibles, please open them. Go there with us. This is, you know, one of the things that that we said, even with uh, those at the house parties and those um, watching at home online, as a church, our goal is not to just give you some production and then, oh, we did, we did service for an hour, we're good to go. This is meant to be a, a training ground for our lives, that the next time they shut the churches down, <laughs> and don't be surprised if it happens, that you'd be ready in your home saying, I know where to find truth for myself because I've, I've dug in. So if you got it on your phone, open it up at home. If you can go even on our app there, on the, if you're watching on our, on our um, uh, Kingsway Church, uh, the new site, you can, you can just follow along right there. Here's Hebrews 11, 8. It says, it was by faith, it was by this confident trust that Abraham obeyed God. He, because of his trust, it says he obeyed God when God called him to leave home, go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going, just like most men. You know, he, Genesis 12, verse 1 is where we pick up the story of, of, of the extra details of what happened. It says this, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. And the, the guy's 75 years old, and they're telling him, hey, God's telling him, I want you to leave and, and just, just go and just follow the directions that I give you one step at a time, and you will get there. I mean, we do that all the time. We have our friend GPS. I punched in a place in Toronto this week that I had never been before, and I was like, as long as I follow um, the, these things, I will get to where I want to go. To You know, in this case, it's Earl Grey Street, my favorite tea store. You know, this is the way that I'm going to get there, and you know what? Most of us, we've, we have great faith in GPS. We, we trust that. Well, the, here's, a, here's the, um, the story of Abram, who's like, man, making this major decision. I, I don't know about you, but I hate moving. I'm like, I hope that my next move is from here to there. Because I, then I don't have to pack. I don't have to do any more of that. I hate it. I, you find all this junk that you're like, how did, we, how did we accumulate all that stuff? Oh, well, let's pack it in boxes and take it with us again. Hate it. Now here's Abram, 75 years old, and he's moving. And his family, like he's like, okay, leave your family. Leave everything behind and go to this land that I'm going to show you. And as Abram's going, I'm sure his buddies and his family are like, Abram, hold up, where are you going? Uh, I don't know. And they're stopping. I'm like, Abram, hold on a second. Like, okay, I was at your birthday party last week. You're 75 now. Where are you going? I don't know. Okay, bud, come on. We're going to the doctor. We got to get this thing checked out. We, we, you've lost your mind. He's like, no, no, I have not lost my mind. I know that God's calling me to go and I'm going to go. And by trusting, he obeyed. And everybody's like, okay, Abe, see you later. And they literally wave, see you later. And they will never see him again. It's not like here where, you know, hey, just call and email or whatever. He's gone. But you know what's so interesting about this story? 
It's not just that Abraham obeyed and left and went somewhere. It's the promises that the, that the God of the universe made to this man. And he makes these three specific and curious promises. And I want to look at them this morning because so often we rush right by the details. We kind of want to, let's just get to the end. But in this, in this account, we find three promises that we now, 4,000 years later, we can look back on and say, uh, did those promises actually come true? And I want you to judge that for yourself this morning. Genesis 12, verse 2, here's the promises that God makes to Abraham 4,000 years ago. He says to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you and make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. Abraham, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. If you were part of one of our starting point classes, we stopped and slowed down to take a look at these three promises. Because the interesting thought is to see, did these, did these promises that the God of the universe made, did they come true? Number one, let's take a look at them. First promise, I'll make you a great nation. You know, the Jewish people, every Jewish person born from the time of Abraham to now would say, yeah, man, we are that great nation. This one man turned into to, to millions, to, 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 to millions upon millions. The Arab people would say, yeah, but Abraham had another son, and we are those great nations. So as you think about that and knowing that the nation of Israel and all the other uh, nations in the Middle East, would you agree that this man became a great nation? Okay, we're going to do show of hands. Let's see. If you know how to do show of hands, let's just put your hand up. Oh, we need, there's more work we got to do. <laughs> how many of you would agree? Yeah, he, he's, uh, he became a great nation. You would see that. You know, second thing, he says, I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to make you famous. About a little pop quiz. We're going to do this. If you're at home watching in the house party, I want you to follow along. Just do show of hands there. If you're alone, um, if you're driving, show of hands. Uh, just keep one on the wheel. Uh, but here's the question. How many of you have heard of Ketter Leomer? Show of hands. Ketter Leomer? How many of you have heard of Cheddar Leomer? His other nickname? No. Okay. How many of you have heard of Amraphel? Anybody at home? I don't see those hands. No, you haven't heard of Amraphel. Do you have any idea who these two guys were? So Cheddar Leomer was the, was the king of Elam, one of the most powerful men in the time of Abram. This guy teamed up with Amraphel, and the two of them went around and just beat up other nations. They were the most powerful people. Everyone in Abram's time knew those two men, and you don't know them. Isn't that interesting? You're like, why is that interesting? Because... Today, the question is, how many of you before today have heard of the man Abraham that we're talking about? Show of hands. Oh my goodness. Take a look around. How many of you have heard of Abraham before today? (laughs) Isn't that strange? It's strange because this guy was a nobody. He was a nomad. He left everyone that he knew and went off to this, to this other place. We're not even sure what he looked like. Uh, Many of the scholars think that he was bald because he had no heir. (laughs) dad joke for you this morning, keep you awake. But he wasn't even famous in his own time, let alone the fact that we know him now. His yearbook didn't say, here's Abraham, most likely to be recognized and known in the year 2020 AD. That's not there. It's crazy that we know him. Let me ask you another question. Of these two people right here, which one of these two do you think will be remembered, most likely remembered 100 years from now? (laughs) My feelings will not be hurt. But it's this dude right here, right? That in a hundred years from now, you ask, the, 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 they might not remember either of us, but they're more likely to remember him. In a thousand years from now, how about four thousand years from now? 
it's not going to be this extremely good-looking guy over here. It, it will be the other. You know, is, wouldn't it be crazy if it was that guy who's not famous in this day and age is the one who's remembered 4,000 years ago? Man, I was asking my daughter yesterday, how much do you know about your great-grandparents? I ask you the same thing. How much do you know about your great-grandparents? What's one thing you know about your great-grandparents? You said that last night. I want a new answer. They're Dutch. They're Dutch. <laughs> so I asked my daughter about it. I'm like, hey, what do you know about your great-grandparents? And she's like, I, I know that my two great-grandfathers both fought in World War II. And I'm like, and? I don't know. And I was like, then I thought, wait, what do I know about my great-grandparents? And I'm like, I realized that I have a bunch of them, you know, eight great-grandparents. I'm like, I don't, I don't. I don't know anything about any of them except for one of them. I know that he played the violin and had a dog named Frisky. That's all I know about my great-grandfather, one of them. Yet, yet, I asked Reese, how much do you know about this guy named Abraham? She began to list off this thing. Then after, I was like, what do you think of that? She's like, I think it's weird that I know more about him than I know about my own great-grandparents. And she realized, you know, I think I got to get to know my great-grandparents, the ones who are still alive. You know, it's interesting that we collectively, how many of you would say, yeah, I know more about Abraham than I know about my great-grandparents? Last chance for your show of hands. That's it. Isn't that interesting? You know, regardless of how much we know about him, would you agree that God kept his promise and made Abraham famous? That's two for two. These are 4,000-year-old promises that we can see have came true. And then finally, it says all the families on the earth are going to be blessed through you. The, the crazy thing about this is Abraham would, would, would have not understood this in its context because nations didn't bless nations back then. Nobody did that. You just read through all the early history. Every nation just wanted to be a bigger nation, and every other nation was either run away from or conquer and pillage. Take everything you can from every nation so that you're stronger. That's what Chedorlaomer, that's what all these other guys, that, that's what they did. That was their life's goal. And yet here, God's like, Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to others. He's introducing him to this whole new concept that it's not survival of the strongest, but that Abraham would be a blessing to the world. And you think, you know, if you ask the Jewish people, hey, are you, are you blessed because of Abraham? And they'd be like, yeah, we are definitely blessed as a people because of him. The Muslim nations would say too, you know, he's our guy. We are blessed because of Abraham. You know, the Christians would say, you know what? No, he's our guy too. You know, he's, he, he's the first one, the first of, the, of faith. He's the reason Jesus came to the planet. Yeah, we, we, we're better off because of Abraham as well. You think about that. That is a lot of people. Now just think about those groups of people and what they've done for humanity. Every uh, invention, every medical uh, 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 building, every hospital they've built, everything they've given to charity, every well they've dug, every mission trip that every Christian teenager has gone on. <laughs> How... How many people in the world do you think have been affected for good because of Abraham? Possibly everyone. Possibly every nation and every family has in some way been blessed because of Abraham. Would you agree? If you don't, shake your head, send me an email, we'll talk. I would say that it's pretty clear that there's three for three that these promises have been kept. And what is that? The author of Hebrews is saying, listen, the God who makes promises keeps his promises. And if you need some proof, if you need some evidence of that, here's a list of people that I want you to look at, including this guy named Abraham. And you know, when we think about Abraham, the story of Abraham, the story of Abraham is not important because Abraham was such a great guy. 
See, too often that's where our minds want to go and say, wow, he's on the Hall of Fame. He must be awesome. Abraham wasn't all that awesome. You know, if, we, if Abraham lived today, I, I, I imagine the headlines of Abraham's life would, would read this. You know, you walk through the grocery store, it'd be like this. The Egyptian herald, foreign spy, c- conceals identity, and then lies about the relationship. Go back. Then lies about the relationship to his accomplice, and then scroll down, because be honest, scroll, you know, for more details. Boy, he's itchy to go. You know, the Sumerian times would be about old, dishonest Abe cheats on his wife and father's illegitimate child with his mistress. The shocking details below. You know, and then poor Sarah, poor wife, she writes to ask Abigail, how do you restore your marriage after your husband gives you away to another man twice? From Sarah somewhere in Sumer. (laughs) These are all salacious but true. Here's this guy that the story isn't about how amazing Abraham is, that he's such an amazing guy. The truth is that it points to how amazing God is and that normal people who put their trust in an incredible God, their lives are affected as a result. Can you imagine what it was like to be in Abram's shoes when he was given these promises, or sorry, in his sandals? You know, here, here he is, Hebrews 11, verse 9, it says this, and even when he reached the land that God promised him, See the word? Promised him. It was like, man, God promised me. So Abram finally gets there, and what does it say? He lived there by faith, because this life of faith is this life of, he didn't just get to the land and be like, okay, God, I'm here. He's like, man, I'm going to live my life trusting you. And he lived like a foreigner, living in tents. So did Isaac, his son, and then Jacob as well, because they inherited the same promise, the same promise that they would become a great nation. Their dad and granddad is going to become famous, and they're going to be a blessing to the whole world. It says, Abram was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. You know, Abram, it says he lived by faith like a nomad. He was like camping out in this land when he got there. He's, you know, he's waking up every day in a tent. You know, the, the, some of you like, who likes camping? You don't have to, yeah, I know, I'm on the show of hands today. You know what? I don't understand you people. What is the, what is the joy of sleeping on hard ground, waking up as if you didn't sleep? You know, to try and make a fire, to cook stuff uh, that takes forever and usually burns. And then, you know, you eat it and you go back to your tent to find out that there's fire ants in it. And then that night it rains and it floods through your tent. How do you people like that? It's like, oh, just peaceful. You know, even for those who like that, how many of you would want to do that every single day? And before you answer, take a look outside. (laughs) You know, like, here's Abraham, you know, waking up. It says he he gets to the land that God said, I'm going to give you. But he's like, you know what? I'm going to live there like it's mine, even though it's not mine yet. Because he could have woke up every morning and just looked out and said, you know, I'm 80 oh, everything hurts, and looking around, like, okay, God, like, you said this was my land, but I look over there, and I see other people living in houses and cities. Well, I'm living in a tent. When's it going to be mine? And then, as he waits year after year after year after year, getting up every morning in the tent, doing the whole routine, looking out at the other seas, and he begins looking like, God, those people live in the cities, they have kids, they got grandkids. They've got heirs. They're becoming great nation. And here am I, 99, no kid. But he doesn't look at that. And that's something powerful because sometimes in our culture, we're so like, God, you said it. We want it today. He's like, it doesn't work that way. And what we learned from Abraham is like, you know what? I'm going to trust God 
no matter what, because he wasn't focused on his surroundings. He was focused on a promise, and he was focused on the promiser of that promise. He, he was like, this land will eventually be mine, but not yet. And I'm not just living for this. Abraham wasn't just camped out on the land. He was camped out on that promise. Hebrews 11, verse 11, it goes on to say this. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. She's 90 by the time she had a baby. That is miraculous. Yes, miraculous. So she was barren and was too old. So she had two strikes against her. And that she believed and she trusted that God would keep his promise. Sarah's like, man, it's not, I can't trust my own body even in this. I'm not going to trust my own abilities. I just simply trust that if God promised, he can do it. He can do it. And regardless of whether it's impossible. Verse 12, and says, so a whole nation, because the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is writing years, 2,000 years later saying, we look back and see like everywhere around us, we're this nation. <laughs> it came true. It says this whole nation came from one man who was as good as dead. That as good as dead, when that promise was made to Abraham, he lived a hundred more years. It wasn't talking about him being as good as dead. His reproductive abilities were as good as dead. And he realized, man, there's no, you know, the the miraculous uh, uh, account of what God has done. He's like, I'm not going to trust even, I can't even trust my own abilities. It says a nation with so many people that like the stars of the sky, the sand of the seashore, there's no way to count them. Here's a man who just simply said, God, I just trust you. You know, move? Yes, I'll do it. 75 years old, and I'm going to have a kid? Yeah, I'll trust you. 99, and I'm still holding on to the promise that you're going to give me a kid. Everyone else might be thinking it's crazy, but God, I just trust you because I know you can do what you said you can do. And then Hebrews 11 says this, verse 13. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, all these people died <laughs> still believing what God had promised them. You'd be like, wait, what? They did not receive what was promised. Huh. But, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it and they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. You know, if I wanted to make like a good sermon that was like, hey, you're going to wow you guys with all the details or the Hebrew writer would have said, oh, I'm just going to like, let's make, let's make something up that's really just some good old encouraging stuff. They would not have included this verse. But they said, man, this is way bigger than just somebody like, oh, I'll have faith for something and I'm going to get it. It was much bigger than this, that even when they died, they were holding on to the promise because it wasn't just about here. See, Abram lived like there was more to this life than just this life. The man of faith lived like there was more to this life than just this life. I say it again. He lived like there was more to this life than just this life. That promise of, a, of, of land and everything was more than just about what was under his feet. Verse 14, it, says, it goes on to say, Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back. Abram just would have gone back. Verse 16 says, But they were looking for a better place, not this land of Canaan, but a heavenly homeland. A heavenly homeland. He's like, that's why God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. He says, you know, that, that's a promise that's also true, that Abraham wasn't just promised, you know, Canaan, but that he was promised eternity with the God of the universe. That is something that, you know, Jesus, when he came to the planet, he said to his disciples, the other people who had faith in Jesus, he said this to them, John 14, the, the night he's about to die, he says to them, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. What does he say? Trust. Trust in God. Why? Because it's always been about that. Ever since Abraham, all the way through 2,000 years till then and 2,000 years later, it's always been about this one word, trust. Trust in God and trust also in me, he says to them. He says, 
He says, there's more than enough room in my father's home. He's talking about this heavenly home. He says, if it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I'll come and get you. So you will always be there with me. Saying to the fellows on the Sermon on the Mount, he said to them, hey, don't store up for yourself all your treasures here. Don't try and collect as much as you can, you know, and then put it in a can, sit on the can, keep it away from everybody else, right? He's like, that's not what this is about. He says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven because there is one. And he says, live your lives, live your lives like there's more to your life than just this life. Live your lives like there's more to your life than just this life. How many of you struggle with that? I mean, I sure do. I'm glad to be the one hand in the room, but there's some times where it's just the, the, the things of this world or, you know, the finances or the worries or cares, they want to get in here. And he simply says, man, people who live by faith, they just, they live like there's more to this life than just this life. And as Jesus followers, it's a call to you as well. And then as we finish up the story of Abraham, there's that famous account uh, of the level of Abraham's trust in God because he just began to say, well, man, I've lived 25 years waiting for this promise. After 25 years of waiting and trusting, he finally held his little son in his wrinkly old hands. (laughs) Can you picture that? Here it is. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the confidence? Can you imagine the trust that he'd have in God? There he is in that land, but he's like, man, I just want to send an email. Have a look at me now. You know, Instagram, here's me and my baby. Everybody back and you said it couldn't happen. Look what God did. Look what God did. And be like, man, God, yes, I can trust you. Look at, look at the fact that the proof is in the pudding. I can trust. And probably celebrated that for years and years and years like we do for our children. But can you imagine for that one? Until one day, until one day God has this incredible, incredible ask of Abraham. He says, Abraham, do you trust me? Yeah, God, I trust you 100%. Look what you've done. You've kept your promise. I have a son. He's like, okay, Abraham, do you really trust me? Yeah, God, I trust you 100%. Okay, I want you to offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice to me. Wait, what? No, no, wait a second. Wait, wait hold on. No, no, we're, we're not doing this. Abraham, do you trust me? But God, this is really hard. I know. Do you trust me? You can just imagine what's going through Abraham's head. God, how could you ask me to do this? God, this doesn't seem right. God, okay, hold on. Abraham, slow down. Did God promise you a son? Yes. Did he promise that Isaac was going to be the son through who this, this whole nation is coming through? Yes. Then somehow, regardless of what happens in this next step, he can do what he said he can do. He can do what he said he can do. Even if I sacrifice my son, he can do what he said he can do. Yeah, you're right. Isaac, get that pile of wood, son. We're going to go have a fire. Come along. Man, Isaac, we think he's just this little kid. Isaac was no little kid. He carried that bundle of wood for four days into the desert He was old enough to take care of his aging, over 100-year-old dad for the journey. (laughs) The author of Hebrews writes about this account because it matters. Hebrews 11, verse 17. It was by faith, it was by trusting God that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice to God when he was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, he he had it in his hands. He was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac because it wasn't about the promise, it was about the promiser. Verse 18, even though God had told him, Isaac's the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Verse 19, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, then God was able to bring him back to life again in a sense. 
Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. You know, some would say, you know, they look at our faith from outside, would say, see, your gods, just like all the others, wanted child sacrifices. See, and they'll point back to this. That was not what was happening here. If it was, then the sacrifice would have happened, but it's not what happened. It was a picture pointing to something else, a picture of what God would actually do for Abraham and, and eventually for the whole planet, that when his son would pick up that heavy piece of wood and wander, uh, walk along to the place of sacrifice, that God would not, in that point, like with Abraham, he provided a ram in the thicket so that Isaac wouldn't have to die. And John would later tell us, he pointed to Jesus and said, look, there's the lamb of God. There's the lamb that God provided for the salvation of the world. And he would not take back his hand. He would instead pour out the judgment of my sin and your sin onto his son. And he would take our punishment. He would take our place so that we could, just like he said, trust in him. Trust in him for eternal life. That we would be able to trust the God who keeps his promises. You know, too often we find people want to trust God for promises they make up for him. God, you said you're going to do this for me when God never said it. But when God promises something, he keeps his promises. And Abraham is a testimony to us that we can, we can. You know, I think as we close, the author was simply writing to stir up something in people. If you're here and you wonder about God, I can tell you firmly and surely that you can trust that he exists and you can trust that he will reward those who diligently seek him. If you're looking for him today, I mean, he's been looking for you your whole life. It just takes a moment of saying, God, okay, I acknowledge you. God, help me in this. God, I, my life's a mess, but I, but I want you. Man, he can take it and turn it around if you'll put your trust in him today. And for the Jesus followers here today, man, it's the same thing. He just says, listen, as Abraham trusted God, it, it made him right with God. It gave him the right standing. It shows how awesome God is. He's a God who can be trusted. It's not just a bunch of stories. It's not just fictional characters. This man, I mean, the world would say he existed in the stories for our benefit. Here's why, Hebrews 12, last verse. He writes, therefore, the reason I wrote about Abraham, the reason I wrote all about this stuff, he said, is so this is that since we, since you and I are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, Abel, Noah, Enoch, they all lived this life of faith. They all, they, they're all proof that this life of faith, if you want to say it, works. She so says, so let us, in 2020, let you and me strip off the weight that slows us down. Let's, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, let's run with endurance the race of faith that God has set before us. You know how we do it? We don't do it by keeping rules. We don't do it by going to church services. We don't do it by being religious. We do it in the same way that they did, through trust. He says the way we do it is by keeping our eyes on Jesus because it's always been about Jesus. The whole Old Testament was pointing, pointing forward to, to Jesus coming to the planet. The whole picture of Isaac was pointing to Jesus so that they would see him. And the whole New Testament points back to, to the existence of Jesus but also points to, to him today because he lives forever. It's just pointing to him that we would trust him, that no matter what's going on around us, that we would put our trust in him. He's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because it is about us. So the question for you this morning is this. Do you live your life like there's more to this life than just this life? Do I live my life like there's more to this life than just this life? Because true trust in him <laughs> leads us to live differently than everyone else around us. 
And then when the going gets tough, and it will get tough, I promise you, that we will simply say, no, we trust in something greater than our governments. We trust in something greater than, than you know, the politicians promise. We trust in promises that can be kept. We trust in, in, in his commands to us because we believe that they are, are good. We trust in him because he's trustworthy. No matter what anybody else around may say, we simply trust in our God because we have decided to live our life as if there's more to this life than just this life. And the invitation is that you can too. And I hope you wrestle with those thoughts a bit today. You know, before we close, I just want to throw a few questions up on the screen. If you're at home at the house parties, we encourage you to chat about some of these, some of these things. What do you think this morning? And so somebody texted me last night and they just simply said, you know, thank you so much for putting these, these questions up there because, you know, our, our, our religious, you know, tradition is that, oh, you know, I went, I did the service, I can now leave, I'm done for a week. That is not what this is about. You know, the question is to say, God, <laughs> Why was I here this morning? Why did I hear that? Why did I tune in to watch that whole YouTube thing? Why? Did, why? God, what are you trying to tell me? And, and I hope maybe you'll have a chance to chat about that in your house party or, or if you're watching alone, maybe call somebody. I had somebody last night called someone else and the person was like, ah, I was just going to call you. And they went through these questions together. Others, it simply says they just sat by themselves to just reflect on this. And maybe that's what you'll do. Maybe afterwards here in the room, you'll have a chance to sit with a few others and just reflect on these things. But why do you think, you know, what do you think God is trying to tell you today through this message? I know what he's pushing in my heart. And then secondly, do you think that God keeps his promises? From your experience, do you think he keeps his promises? And why would you say yes or no? Not just, yeah, I say it because, oh, yeah, Mark said that he does today. So yes, he does. That's the right answer. What's been your experience and, and, and why or why not? And then finally, would you read Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3? And what does that mean specifically for you today? What does that mean specifically for you today? Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are faithfulness. <laughs> you, you are faithfulness and you are faithful. You can be trusted. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for us. As we just think about that once again today, there is no... There's no limit to the gratitude that we have for what you've done for us. God, thank you that we didn't have to do it ourselves. We can simply trust you to be made right with you. Lord, I pray for revelation of that in our hearts and our lives, that we would live, live our lives out of that no matter what age or stage in life we are in. God, I thank you for your spirit that you know how to speak to the very core of our being, of where we are and where we need to be. We see it in the life of Abraham. We see it in the lives of others. God, we want to see it in our lives. As we just open our ears to hear you, would you help us to hear your voice today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, may we live today by trusting you, bringing glory to you, because it is for you. Yours is the glory, yours is the power. Yours is the kingdom forever and ever. Pray this in your name, amen.